What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 54, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Foothold. You can find us and our lovely little podcast on Google Play Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts, where we still have absolutely no idea if a person can give us ratings, reviews, or whatever. So, you know, do what you want. And uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, too. And we do know that you can leave a rating and review. Uh, Zach, a little bad news. We do not have a new review to read. Um, Yeah. And also, uh, I did not know what I was signing myself up for. Uh, though, uh, I imagine that future dramatic recreations will not take nearly as long as the one last week did. Um, (laughs) it was a lot of work and there was a lot of work that I put into that thing just for, just for like 45 seconds worth of humor. So, um, Brent, it may mm -hmm. have been a lot of work, but it was awesome. Thank Uh, you. For you listeners out there, I, I mean, you, Brent, you had talked about doing something like that. Sure. And I'm like, that's cool. And I didn't know what all it was going to be until I actually listened to the episode. Uh, and then uh, I, I heard that part and I'm like, oh, oh, that is amazing. That is awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I suppose if I have to do something, I, you know, I'm too much like my father's son. If I'm going to do it, might as well do it right. So. Um, but anyway, the friends, the offer is there. Uh, if you want to force me to do work, um, you can leave a review <laughs> and, uh, it will result in an unseemly amount of, uh, effort to try to make something sound awesome. Um, uh, which I guess also sort of, sort of heightens the, uh, you know, Zach, I have a vision like yes. two years down the line when we're in season six, I guess, um, we have like three dozen reviews on iTunes and none of them make sense because they're all written like scripts. Like, (laughs) like somebody comes by the podcast and they just read review after review of like, of this, uh, of ever increasing bizarre stuff (laughs) in an effort to try to get, they want us to read it out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, if you want to participate in that, uh, in that little activity, just go ahead and leave a review for us and, uh, you can make, you can make us suffer a little, just a little bit. Absolutely. So, uh, so Zach, if, uh, if a, if a person wants to uh, find a different way to engage with us other than trying to leave some cockamamie, cockamamie review that we have to do, uh, what what might they do to do that? Uh, well, they could email us at mm-hmm. walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That is W-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-D-H-E-S-D-A-R-G-H-E at gmail.com. <laughs> and you See, thought you I just... wasn't going to bring that back. I was going to say, you just needed a couple of weeks to sort of like, you know, like limber up a little. You know, you know, we did it backwards I, last time. Uh, know, I think the week yeah. before that, there was a little stumble. But this time, you're just just striding right in. You calm, know, the, calm the, and calm. The, the, the best thing to do is to lean into it and not think too hard. Because as soon as you ask the question, did I forget that letter? You are so far past that it <laughs> wouldn't <done>. matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you just memorize it and you go. You just, you just get much. into the flow state. Gotcha. Yep. Um, so you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, we do have a couple of emails and I'll get to those in a little bit. Mm, um, or you can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Um, this is a great way to interact, uh, with us in mm-hmm. a way that is like interacting with mostly Brent. 
I kind of troll it. Well, not troll it, but I kind of stalk it a little bit and, and uh, you know, watch. But I don't generally type much on there. Um, lurk over the wall. I do lurk. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Twitter lurker. Ooh, what's going on over there? Yeah. Um, uh, or you can uh, find us on Facebook, at, uh, Walking Through the Stargate. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Come join us and have all the conversations there. Uh, yes. So, Brent, I said we got mm-hmm. a couple of emails. Mm-hmm. So, last time we reviewed uh, Jolinar's Memories and the mm-hmm. Devil You Know, mm-hmm. and we have received a few uh, uh, comments on yeah. your uh, thought process here. <laughs> uh, Arnott oh. says... <laughs> Okay. Brent was wrong about the devil you know, and so was Zach due to Brent-induced bias. Oh, my. <laughs> Brent-induced bias. Bib. Yes. That's a thing. We can have, we're going to have a bib. Bib is a thing. Bib is a thing. Brent-induced bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the devil you know deserves at least four chevrons. Uh, four? Of course, he admits that he might be biased since Apophis is his favorite villain. Uh Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the other hand, Brent gave Bane seven chevrons, so maybe this just serves to maintain the balance. <laughs> it's a, so there's this there's this phenomenon. I'm going to screw up some of the details, but the, it, but it's called Fermi estimation, and it was apparently developed by Enrico Fermi um, as a sort of a, a a method to illustrate that when that when you're trying to do some math, um, especially if there's a lot of variables. Uh, if you just kind of keep going with your estimations, you'll probably end up closer to correct than you think you would be because you're going to make errors along the way, but your errors are likely to be kind of at opposite sides. Like you'll screw up one way by being a little too low, but you'll screw up the other way by being a little too high further on down the line so that by the time you get to the answer, you end up weirdly closer than you would think. So so yeah, Arnakta, I think that we were just doing a little bit of Fermi estimation there. There you uh, go. Again, I still stand by my seven for Bane. I know that that sounds crazy, but that's how I am. But I also, okay, I'm willing to accept that Apophis might kind of get cool again. You know, let's be honest. Like, that's probably where it's going to go. That's probably how they kind of envisioned it, and they just needed to set it up. But I'm still feeling a little, still feeling a little like, uh, it's a little like, are you kidding me right now? But. That's all right. Well, that's okay. That, that, that's fair, Brent. Uh, by no means are you required to change your mind, even if you may be wrong. I'm not wrong. Well, you know what? It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I do have another email here from Edward. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey. Ed says, I love both the Hell episodes. Uh, that's <laughs> right. I love okay. rewatching them every time I think Brent was too harsh on the devil you know. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised that Apophis is back in the episode where he dies. Remember, they sent him back to Sokar, and they even acknowledged that Sokar will use the sarcophagus to bring him back to life, possibly to torture him forever over and over again. Yes, I agree that Apophis is a bumbling idiot, but he embodies the Gould modus operandi. Bumbling that is the Gould M.O. Uh, they are power-hungry egomaniacs. Yeah. It's no surprise yeah, Apophis true, is so right. okay, easily yeah. deceived when he's drowning in his own hubris while groping for power. However, I do agree that it would have been nice to see Apophis out the door by this episode. I guess this is a trope of 90s t- serial television. 
the villain that's never quite defeated. Yep. Um. So. So uh, I didn't... He goes, by the way, just mm-hmm. to shift, he says, I love the dramatic reading. Ah. The sound ah. effects and stuff had me laughing audibly in my car. I look forward to hearing more of them. PSA, write more reviews, people. Write so more we can reviews. Hear more of these dramatic readings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad it brought. I'm glad it brought joy and mirth. Really, truly, like yep. the, the half. You know, I'm doing this because it's a little bit of an entertainer by nature. So there you uh, go. Yeah. So the um, one of the things that I think that I didn't quite really appreciate or click in. When I, uh, what was the, I can't remember the name of the episode where Apophis died, but Serpent um, Song. Serpent Song. Uh, the, I didn't quite, it didn't click that Apophis was getting sent to Sokar. They said it, they, they said those words, but I, I didn't appreciate what they were talking about, or I certainly didn't appreciate what that was about to really mean. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because the funeral scene looked like they were doing it in a manner of honor. And so I thought that Apophis was getting sent to some other funerary funerary world um, other than hell. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's kind of my own error. If I had sure. kind of put that together, it would have been maybe less shocking. But right. anyway, whatever. He's back. In, he's in, back in and he's f- bad. In fact, uh, in that episode, um, they were able to dial out the gate just at the nick of time before Sokar destroyed them all. Uh, and they dialed out to the planet where they had found uh, Apophis originally. Um, oh, yeah. At the beginning of that episode. Yeah. Uh, and so they they basically dropped his dead carcass uh, at the foot of the, the Stargate. Oh, right. And Sokar right. would have been there to pick him up. Yes. And then at the very yes. end, you do hear uh, their comments, you know, something like, well, if they wanted Apophis alive, then they'll just start this up again. And Martouf says something along the lines of, well, not necessarily. If You know, Sokar has a sarcophagus, so if he wants, he can just revive him there and then, you know, keep torturing him forever. Yeah. So That's right. I mean, that's there. That's right. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Okay. Shall we dig into this episode? Foothold. Yeah. Yeah, okay. let's do it. This episode is directed by Andy Makita. This is Andy's directorial debut for Stargate SG-1. Oh, cool. Not only is it his SG-1 directorial debut, it, his, it is his directorial debut. Oh. It's the first thing that he has directed on his own. Um, he does spend a lot of time in his early career uh, as a, an assistant director, as you know, the first or second assistant director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a start in 1987 when he worked on 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, 21 Jump Street is, I believe... Uh, uh, Peter DeLuise's show. Uh, mm-hmm. He was on that. Um, and then he was working on television throughout the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and he joined uh, SG-1 mm-hmm. in uh, at the very beginning. In 1997, he was the first assistant director for the pilot episode, uh, oh, Children cool. of the Gods. Yeah. Um, and so this is his first directing episode of SG-1. He will go on to, re- to direct 28 more. Episodes, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, over the course of the rest of the series. He goes on in Atlantis to direct 22 episodes. Okay. Cool. Uh, and 12 episodes for Stargate Universe. Uh, wow. And okay. 12 so episodes kinda... for Stargate Universe is huge because I don't know exactly how many episodes they have, uh, but they were only on for two seasons. 
So oh, let's okay. assume they were 20 episodes right. per season. That's a quarter of it. Like almost a quarter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. So um, let's see here. And, uh, you know, that's what we have for uh, Andy Makita. Mm-hmm. Heather Ash did the teleplay for this. This is mm-hmm. her second of five episodes that she has written for SG-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier this season, she did Learning Curve. Yeah, yeah. I've been um, noticing her name uh, like in the in the credits, but, you know, right. I was well, she, glowing she with her story with Learning Curve. a lot so. of time as a story editor uh, yeah. and done other things in that, you know, writing vicinity uh, in that part of the, the crew work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, she does actually write a total of five episodes. This is her second one. And mm-hmm. basically her filmography in terms of actually writing things, the teleplays and whatnot, this is it. Just Stargate is really it. Um, you can go back to Learning Curve if you want and listen to it. There were a couple of things that she's done, and I talked a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. Then. So you can go back then and, and look at that. Um, for this episode, we do have a few guest actors. We've got mm-hmm. Tom McBeath coming back as Colonel Harry Mayborn. 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 Uh, we've got Colin Cunningham as Major Davis. He's back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've got Dan Shea coming back as Sergeant Siler. Stargate Scotty. Stargate Scotty. Yeah. Um, this episode originally aired on November 5th, 1999. Uh-huh. Uh, that is 20 years and 11 days from today. Yep. Uh, as we record this. Mm-hmm. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was still Smooth by Santana. Because you're so smooth, do, 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 do. and it's just like the ocean. Under you can keep going. You don't have to. You don't have to let me. I, 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 I was. I was just letting you do your thing, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else was on the chart, Zach? Okay, in the UK, <laughs> they were listening to "Keep On Moving" by Five. Keep on moving by Five. So when we were first doing this, I was like. Hey, I know all these UK songs, mostly. They just kind of came out a little bit after or before they kind of showed up on the US scene. And I'm yeah. like, no, I don't know this Keep On Moving by Five. I bet you this one's a fast one, though. Uh, I believe it. I believe okay. it. And so, in uh, honor of this going really fast, I'm going to yeah. speed through the box office here, okay? Okay. You ready? All right. You ready? Okay, here we go. All right. Here we go. Okay. So, uh, number one was The Bone Collector. It was a brand new movie. Uh, House of Haunted House on Haunted Hill was number two. It was number one last time. The Bachelor was a brand new movie. It's number three. Number four was The Insider, also a brand new movie this weekend. And number five, rounding up the top five, was The Best Man, which was number two last week. Woo! Done. Ooh. That's a, that was a, a spicy. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. That's because we were moving on. Keep on moving. Yep. What happened on this day? Well, a couple of days before this episode aired on November 1st, Theodore Hall, American physicist and atomic spy for the Soviet Union, dies at age 74. Mm, okay. Also on November 1st, Walter Payton, the American Pro Football Hall of Famer running back from the Chicago Bears, dies at 45. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of days later, on November 3rd, Los Angeles Lakers debut in Staples Center with a 103-88 to win versus the Vancouver Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, no, no, on November 4th, one day before this episode aired, uh, Daisy Bates, who was an American civil rights activist and publisher, dies at age 84. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And uh, nothing notable happened on the 5th that I could find. But on the 6th, Australians vote to keep the British monarch as their head of state in the Australian Republic referendum. Oh, I didn't know that they... Okay, cool. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of days later, on November 8th, The World Is Not Enough, the 19th James Bond film starring Pierce Brosnan, Robert Carlyle, and Denise Richards premieres in Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. Uh, that That's at least a little bit worthwhile for its own sake, but also Robert Carlyle uh, is one of the starring characters in Stargate Universe. Oh, cool. Well, there so, you go. Uh, I think. It all comes back to Stargate. I think. Oh, gosh. I didn't actually look that up. I'm just going off my memory. Oh. So You know uh, what? We'll just, we'll just pretend like it is. In one of, our, right, one of our universes, that has happened. There you go. There you go. All right. So we have some trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in the outdoor cafe where Sam meets uh, Mayborn, yeah. uh, this is the UBC Robson Square in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a bronze statue. I kind of looked for it, but I missed it. Uh, the Bird of Spring that can be seen in the background. Yeah. And this that was the same statue that Sam and Jack walked past yep. uh, in the yeah, episode the Politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recognize so, that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was... you. you, you don't worry about missing it. It was very prominent, but it wasn't like, here's an establishing shot showing the statue. No, it was just like in the background, right in the middle. But yep. I was like, hey, there's that yeah. bird thing again. Yep. All right. Now, this episode talks a lot about tetrachloroethylene. Yes. And I does. asked myself, what the heck is tetrachloroethylene? It is a chlorocarbon with a formula Cl2C bonded to CCl2. Okay. If you got that. It is a colorless liquid widely widely used for dry cleaning of fabrics. Hence, oh. it is some kind, sometimes called dry cleaning fluid. Mm-hmm. It has a sweet odor detectable by most people at a concentration of one part per million. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an excellent solvent for organic materials. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it is uh, volatile but highly stable and non-flammable. Uh, volatile but highly stable. You know what? I am copying this from Wikipedia, and I don't. Well, I I bet that in chemistry, I bet you that the word volatile means something specific, which means it is it's it's blah, but it is stable, so it's you know whatever. Right. I bet you that that is not contradictory. It is Fair to me, enough. but it it sounds contradictory to me. Yeah, uh, and non flammable. Uh, for these reasons, it's widely used in dry cleaning. It's also used to decrease to decrease degrease metal parts in the automotive and other metalworking industries. Oh, I bet I know what it means. I bet you that it bonds to like these oils like really easily, like super ah, fast. There and, you go. But uh, it doesn't degrade and it won't like burn. That's right. So uh, the, that's probably what's up. There you go. Uh, the toxicity of tetrachloroethylene is moderate to low. Uh, reports of human injury are uncommon despite its wide usage in dry cleaning and degreasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, it has been classified by the International Agency for Research on Cancer as a Group 2A carcinogen, which means that mm-hmm. it is probably carcinogenic to humans, um, uh, can affect the central nervous system as a depressant, and can enter the body mm-hmm. through the respiratory or dermal exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, it can dissolve the fats in your skin, which causes skin irritation. And mm-hmm. be careful if you get it to temperatures at 315 degrees Celsius or 590 degrees Fahrenheit, such as when you're welding, 
because it can oxidize into a phosgene uh, poisonous gas. Well, okay then. But in none of those bullet points did you say it causes paranoid delusions. That is true. Yeah. Well, that of is course, but very true. But that also was not right. Now that I say that out loud, that was like that was the that was the cover story that the aliens were using. It it doesn't right. <laughs> I mean, but but you know, at the same time, the aliens yeah. asked Carter. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What does yeah. this stuff do to you? And she's like, okay, yeah. it can cause hallucinations. Yeah, blah, yeah, yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, you know. When I this is the first time I ever looked up what tetrachloroethylene is, mm-hmm. um, and so now I'm looking at this. Well, okay, now this makes sense. Why you might have this up on level three, and you might have something in it rupture and spill all over the place. And sure, I would imagine sure. that if this spilled everywhere, you would want to get some sort of hazmat, probably a really, uh, you know, to clean it up. You wouldn't yep. want, you know, okay, I could get that, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, when when I watched this originally. Um, and I thought, oh my gosh, what the heck kind of s- toxic stuff do they got flowing through the pipes on level twenty three? Sure, right? Yeah, <laughs> dry dry cleaning fluid. <laughs> it turns <Okay>. out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, keep those uniforms looking real good. Yep. Um, a couple more things to add here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of the only episodes where uh, Heather Ash heard Don S. Davis complain. Um, he was, you know, having to hang from the ceiling for oh, yeah. quite a length of time. Yeah. And and he was kind of grumbling about that, saying things like, well, sometimes I wonder what goes on in that writer's brain of yours. <laughs> so that would be Don S. Davis's now, does, uh, version of complaints. Um, is, uh, does, does Don S. Davis, did he talk more or less like he does just straight up, like... You know, is that kind of how he sounds? Like, does he talk with that kind of cadence normally? I don't you know? know for a fact, but I would bet so. Yeah, I imagine so. I would so. guess so. That that's probably the way he normally would talk. Yeah, and so I, so I can totally see him being say almost exactly that. Um, also, one more here. Uh, when uh, Carter and Mayborn are at the cafe, mm-hmm. uh, Carter stands up and yells, Mayborn, you're an idiot every day of the week. Why couldn't you have taken one day off? Right. That line was basically uh, ad-libbed by Amanda Tapping. Oh, really? Ha, uh, nice. She came up with that line on filming day and, and uh, tossed it out there, and then it, it got stuck. And, and I love that line. That's a great It's line. a good line. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> you know, now, is, um, I seem to have some kind of vague memory that there was some other kind of ad-lib thing that she tossed in there in one of the episodes fairly recently. And I can't recall, and I can't remember which episode. But point is, like, you know, she's 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 fast. She's witty. Well, all of them, uh, all yeah, of them she's, have she's uh, a, a extra quality fast. of that. Um, you know, yeah. this is that, that's one of the things that uh, Richard Dean Anderson does, um, or normally, at, at, from what I have read and heard about, um, half the things he says isn't exactly what's actually on the page. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, gotcha. Um, he certainly creates an environment where that type of uh, interplay uh, is uh, value. Yeah. And certainly uh, tapping, and I think all of the others as well, uh, play into that when, when appropriate. You're an idiot so. every day of the week. Why couldn't you have taken a day off? Yeah. <laughs> um, as I look at the title of this episode in other languages, in French, mm-hmm. this is Invasion. Uh-huh. 
Uh, in Spanish, it is settlement. In Czech, hmm. it's emergency situation. <laughs> and uh, that's what we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on the nose. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, despite all of the trivia and such, we do have a few goofs in this episode that are worth noting. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on in the episode, when Fraser is in the infirmary and she's about to inject some sort of yellow substance into Carter, some sort of sedative or whatnot, uh, she, you can look that the, the needle is full of this stuff and she stabs uh, Carter and Carter falls over onto the bed and you can look and you can see that the uh, needle is still full of all of that yellow stuff. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that one, but yeah. yeah. Um, also... Uh, when Mayborn stands up as he is leaving the cafe, you actually can see his put his hat on twice. Mm, okay. Uh, so like, there's a that. shot of of him uh, of his face, and he's I can't remember what he's saying, but he's in there, and then he, he takes the cap and he puts it on his head, mm-hmm. and then it turns to look at either Carter or or O'Neill or whomever else, and then so you can see just kind of the the back of his head on yeah. the side of the screen, and then you can see him also putting the hat. On his head. <laughs> I, I find that funny. Yeah, jerk. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently there was a Vancouver trolley in the back of that scene that I missed. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And apparently I also missed this. A couple of the aliens bump into each other later in the, the costume. Or late in the, oh, the I, series. I think I noticed that one. Yeah. The, uh, when they were all running away, right? Yeah. 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 I, think, I think I did uh-huh. notice. It did look like it was a little... A little accidental, but you know. Yep. But you know, hey, it was also, and again, it's 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 hard to call it a goof when, um, when the thing that you catch on camera is, you know, just as likely a thing to occur in that scene anyway, right? Right. Uh, I mean, what what makes the the trolley, for instance, a goof is, you know, well, it's Vancouver in Washington D.C. Yeah, you're not going to see a Vancouver trolley. Speaking of, like this episode, I, I was realizing that I am real. I'm realizing that I'm having a hard time remembering that the SGC is in Cheyenne Mountain, Wyoming, not Vancouver, British Columbia, <laughs> right? Because they keep That's making true. the joke about being in the Pacific Northwest, and so and so I'm constantly thinking about them filming up there. And uh, so when Carter is going to D.C. It's like, boy, that's going to be kind of a long trip for her, right? And, you know, even from Wyoming to D.C. is a long trip. But you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it's like, boy, she's got to go from British Columbia all the way to D.C. It's like, no, yeah. they're not in British Columbia. <laughs> they are in Wyoming. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I think, Brent, it is time for the synopsis mm-hmm. for Foothold. Yeah. Let's all get right. Get into this. Here we go. SG-1 returns from mission, a very wet mission where they were looking for the planet Keb and the Harsis' child to no avail. But in the base, there is increased security. General Hammond is in the gate room to welcome them home and to send them immediately to the infirmary for their standard post-mission checkup. As they head to the infirmary, they hear more of what's happening. There was a chemical spill on level 23, tetrachloroethylene, all over the place. Guess nobody's going to get their clothes dry cleaned today. Nope, not today. But don't worry, because the hazmat team is already cleaning things up, so SG-1 shouldn't have to worry about anything. However, once in the infirmary, the team is injected with a sedative and quickly incapacitated. Teal'c awakens some time later and sees Dr. Frazier and General Hammond speaking with unfamiliar aliens about some kind of invasion of Earth. 
He hears them talking about some kind of procedure that didn't work on himself nor on Major Carter. When they approach the Jaffa, he feigns unconsciousness. He is wheeled into the elevator and up to wherever they were going to hold him, but quickly he overpowers Master Sergeant Siler and begins his escape. First, he finds the armory and collects a Zat gun. Next, he frees Carter and quickly explains that the SGC has been taken over by some kind of alien incursion. Then the two make their escape. Unfortunately, before they can execute their plan, the klaxons go off and they realize their attempted escape has been discovered. Teal'c stays behind to provide Carter the time she needs to depart. Teal'c is captured, but not after seriously injuring a couple of guards and potentially killing another. Carter climbs up some kind of air shaft and sneaks away from Cheyenne Mountain. Once on the outside, Carter contacts their old friend Colonel Harold Mayborn <laughs> about a potential foothold situation at the SGC. She wants to meet him in public just outside the Pentagon. However, when they meet, she discovers that Colonel O'Neill and Dr. Jackson are there as well. Understandably, she is quite upset at Mayborn's cavalier response to the possibility of a foothold situation. Still, O'Neill and Jackson inform her that she's suffering from the effects of the tetrachloroethylene, which can cause paranoid delusion. Or dry your clothes, dry clean your clothes. Right. Apparently, the whole team was infected as soon as the fumes from level 23 uh, hit them while they were in the elevator. The tension, the stress, the lack of sleep after escaping the SGC is beginning to get to Carter. She's tired. She can't think clearly. Reluctantly, she agrees to return to Stargate Command to be checked out. So the four of them board Mayborn's plane, and they begin the trek back to Cheyenne Mountain. Teal'c wakes in the infirmary. He is restrained. Dr. Fraser and General Hammond are there. He too fell under the influence of the hallucinatory properties of the chemical spill. In his delirium, he injured several people before he could be restrained. He asks to be released, but Fraser refuses, telling him that he may yet have a relapse. While they are talking, news comes to them that O'Neill and Jackson have found Carter and are on their way back to the SGC. Suddenly, the nice, empathetic doctor gets a malicious look on her face. Smiling, she says it's time to start experimenting on Teal'c. On the plane ride back to the SGC, Carter's beginning to wonder if all this was a hallucinatory nightmare when she sees O'Neill's image flickering. He looks like the colonel, he looks like a giant large alien, he looks like the colonel again. Immediately, she seizes Mayborn's gun and points it at her commanding officer. When he advances on her, she puts two rounds into his chest. O'Neill falls back onto the chair. The image of O'Neill disappears, and an alien lies dead in his place. The Major points her weapon directly at Daniel, but... When Major Davis sneaks out from the cockpit toward the commotion and tries to bullrush Carter with an inhuman screen, she kills him too. The body of Davis disappears, and in his place lies another dead alien. Mayborn and Carter interrogate Daniel. Eventually, they discover a small disc attached to the, che to the chest of the two aliens, as well as Daniel. This disc allows the wearer to appear to be a particular member of Stargate Command. When Carter uses the device that was once on the alien Daniel, her appearance shifts and she looks like the archaeologist. In the meantime, the real O'Neill and Davis wake up, hanging from an SGC ceiling in restraints. Other SGC personnel are suspended alongside them, unconscious, including the real Hammond and the real Fraser. 
As they assess the situation, the alien version of Dr. Fraser comes in with an unconscious member of the SGC. She puts him through some kind of alien machine, and he too is pulled up to the ceiling. She then takes a small disc and places it on the chest of another alien, who then takes the form of the original human. After the aliens depart, O'Neill and Davis begin looking for a way to free themselves. They find the release latch and both fall to the floor free from their restraints. Back at the mountain, Carter infiltrates the base disguised as Daniel, while Mayborn marshals an NID team to storm the base and take it back from the aliens. Carter finds O'Neill and Davis and fills them in on what's going on. She has discovered that there is a certain frequency that was generated by the engines of the plane that will disrupt, disrupt the alien's disguise. She is going to her lab to get the equipment she needs to end this charade. While she's doing that, O'Neill and Davis hit up the armory for weapons. Carter gets to her lab, fine-tunes her plan, and broadcasts the frequency throughout the, through the intercom throughout the whole base. The aliens are revealed. Panicking, the aliens immediately fall back to the Stargate. As they begin to escape, Mayborn's forces storm the place. O'Neill, Davis, and Carter meet up in the control room and are able to close down the gate. Some aliens escaped, but most are now stuck in the gate room. Trapped, the remaining aliens use a self-destruct weapon. Recognizing what they're doing, O'Neill is able to activate the blast doors protecting the control room from the explosion just as Mayborn and his troops arrive. Soon the blast doors are brought back up. Everyone looks on in amazement at the mess the alien self-destruct has left the embarkation room. But O'Neill's not concerned. Quick coat of paint will make all well. <laughs> Later, the team piece together what happened. Hammond orders that P3X118 be permanently locked out of the dialing computer, and Carter recommends using a sonic field to make sure the invasion never happens again. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Foothold. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Man, this was this was okay. This one was all right. Um, I uh I liked the general idea. Um, the uh plausibility of the invasion was, you know, they 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 bounced on it really fast, but then moved on. So so I was left to my own devices to try to figure out how they got infiltrated. You know, like it was it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the um the effects were good. The, the the practical effects right so the you know the the set design and the lighting and the um decoration and so like the hanging um the hanging things off the ceiling that was fun the alien uh costumes were good um <clears throat> the story overall was was fine it was just plausible enough and interesting enough there was a couple of moments where it was a little it was just a little bit convenient um you know that uh that fake alien daniel was just kind of really passive uh on the airplane to the point that even you know they they just were able to just sort of just pluck that little disc off of him without much of an much of an issue you know i mean it was it was just it was fine but it was a little bit just like you know i kind of was expecting daniel to be to turn out to be like the real daniel just really confused because of how he was acting so passive in that moment Hmm. um uh, let's see. It was fun to see Mayborn, and it was definitely kind of nice to see Mayborn um getting redeemed a little. Uh, you know, up up until right. now he has been such an antagonizing character that seeing him be uh a little less antagonizing and a little bit more helpful to our heroes was pretty fun. I liked that. Yeah. Uh 
you know, watching him storm the castle with his little, uh, with his little, uh, you know, nighttime getup. That was pretty fun. <laughs> like <laughs> just seeing him just like, just in there, like all hardcore with his black hat and his tactical wear, you know, like yeah. that was right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, let's see. Uh, but this one was kind of a swift one for me, right? Like the story was pretty self-contained. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, the door is locked, so we nominally won't see these guys again. Whether or not we do is another matter, but, you know, like, at least on paper, where they escaped to is now, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to at least get back to Earth, for sure, or vice right. versa. And um, I was kind of hoping, this is kind of a strange hope, but only because I like uh, I like seasonal, or I like season-wide stories. I was kind of hoping that that self-destruct at the end would have been a little bit more damaging to the gate. And what do I mean? I mean, like, it would have been kind of fun if, um, you know, next episode they were dealing with something that results in that the tension is because they can't dial or something, right? Like something something to do with that they can't use the gate because it was damaged, you know, at the end of this episode. Right. I, I was kind of hoping for that. But, you know, judging from um, judging from O'Neill's joke about how all it's going to do is just take a quick coat of paint and it's going to look like nothing ever happened. I imagine next week it's going to look like nothing had ever happened. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so there's Honestly, that. I can't remember for sure. Um, um, but, uh, I think you're probably right that yeah. next week we're just going to have a nice quick it, coat of paint and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess that's sort of a clever way to, uh, acknowledge the TV magic, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. this will totally be fine. It'll just, it just, Little little buff up of the paint job there, and it'll be perfect. And it's also exactly the type of quip that Colonel O'Neill uh, yeah. would make in a situation like that. Totally, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's just right up his alley. That that sar- that snark. I liked. Uh, yeah. Um, I also I was about to say that I you know I was liking some of that some of the action acting. You know, like you know watching Teal'c Teal'c be totally just badass was pretty fun. But you know, I'm also kind of realizing as I'm sort of talking through the thing, like you know it it was. It was it was all well and good, but nothing, as I'm thinking about it, was like really stand out. Like it just was fine. It was just fine. Like nothing, nothing fell to the ground quite like that one extra in the suit did. Um, but uh, but you know, I mean, it was it was it was just a pretty okay story, and it was it was pretty well done, and it was you know delivered a nice little little package. So you know, in that respect, it was like you know, yeah, it was, yeah that was an enjoyable episode. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you? What do you think? Like. Okay. How? Well, um, well, we'll see what happens uh, when we get to our ratings here. But I, I enjoyed this episode as well. One of the, one of the things that I really like about this episode are are just a couple of things here or there that um, that uh, are, are are subtle nods to things that we have talked about in the past. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the very beginning, they're coming back from a planet, and in terms of this story here, that planet means nothing. It wouldn't matter right. where they're coming back from. They right. could come back from, you know, Mars. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, right. But there's a the couple of lines there that says they were out looking for Keb, looking for the Harsesis child. Yes, um, yes. Which, which draws us back to, uh, we actually talked about that a little bit in The Devil You Know, when uh, uh, Apophis was uh, interrogating Daniel. And then, of course, going back a little bit further to the episode when Sharae dies, uh, you know, and we get, uh, we get that going. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's such a just cool little nod back as, hey, don't forget about this thing here. We haven't finished that one yet. Uh, that's still important. Uh, I, I liked seeing Mayborn back. You talked about this. Seeing yep. Mayborn back, uh, up until this point, he's been very, very antagonistic. 
Uh, and and here he still has some of that antagonism. Uh, he's you know he's a an idiot seven days a week. Why couldn't he yeah. take one day off? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and yet at the same time he is uh, where uh, Carter feels that she, that's the only place that she can go in this situation uh, to get the help that she needs. Uh, and and so we see a little bit of uh, Mayborn that's not quite so. Um, vile and antagonistic, which is right. Uh, really fun. Uh, we see Davis again. That's cool. Uh, yeah, you know, that, yeah, you're right. Kind of yeah. a, he's not a huge part, but he's right there. Um, let's see here. There was I thought there was something else in my head. Uh, these little tiny things that that were popping in here. Oh yeah, I uh, can't talk about that. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, okay well moving right along moving on um but you know this this is a nice episode that uh uh, one of the things i liked about this episode is um this type of event was bound to happen and it was worthwhile showing you know if if, uh the humans from little earth are going to be poking around the galaxy eventually (laughs) somebody is going to come and do this yes um, and so here we get to see that happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's a lot of places left open. You know, we don't know exactly how they arrived or how they got here. We don't really know right. exactly what their plan was. Certainly they were looking for, uh, something in this galaxy that was important, safe for them. Maybe that, you know, I don't know. We don't know exactly what they were looking for. Um, right. You know, uh, we don't know exactly where they went when they escaped. We don't know how much information they took with them precisely. Uh, It looks like their leader was the one who got stuck behind and blowed up, but it's hard to tell for sure. Yep. Um, uh, You know, so, but then to see the characters interact in that situation and to have it be a pretty solid story overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not an amazing fifth race type of story for me. Correct. Uh, no. You know, it, it's not going to get eight Chevron. Um, no. Aw, <laughs> oh, nuts. <laughs> spoiler alert. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it, it's a good episode um, that, that just, uh, you know, it's just a solid episode. It's just right there. That's yep. what it is. Um, I liked the acting that uh, was done. I liked seeing Teal'c interact with things yep. uh, at the beginning there, um, you know, uh, and and uh, that running through the halls and and getting the the weapons and and moving through quickly and and with in, intent and and all of that. Uh, I thought that was done very well. It was shot mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Makita did a great job of directing this. I thought. Yeah, um, I agree. Especially when you think about this is his first. Just here's your game. Here's your baby. Go for it. Um, you know, he did a really good job with that. Uh, I was impressed and pleased. He um, also did a pretty good job with the uh, with the extras. I mean, they didn't have very much time on screen. No, that's not true. Well, let me rephrase that. And maybe I don't know if they're extras or they're guest actors, but um, you know, we had a few uh, new faces take up you know a couple minutes worth of screen time all in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was nothing big, but it was you know like it's. It was it, there. They were, and they were doing their thing, and it, they were yep. believable, and and it worked out great. And you know, you could actually that, that would actually make a lot of sense because I mean, I'm not in the film industry. I've never really, been, but as I understand it, the the assistant director and and those secondary guys are the ones that predominantly film the you know the B footage, 
the the footage right. of the extras that right. that don't have the main characters in them and all of that stuff. And if that's the case, and that's what he has been doing predominantly, then right. you know he's got some familiarity with that, uh, and he brings that to that and really gets some good work out of them. That yeah, way. give him a line or two and you yep. know, get him get him in the right spot. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of acting, yes. I did like uh, Terrell Rothery's uh, back and forth that she did between yes. normal Dr. Frazier and menacing alien yes. scientist. Which, by good. the way, I should have added Terrell Rothery to the guest actors. Uh, I just, I, I kind of forget her as a guest actor because I don't think of her as a guest actor. Right. But technically right. she is. Yeah. Um, so, Somehow, however that know, works. For those of you who are super Terrell, Roth- Terrell Rothery fans... Uh, and are yelling at your, uh, ah. you know, podcast ah. uh, op- uh, thing of choice. My brain's not working very well. It's it's quite a bit later. Aggregator. Than record. Aggregator. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at me through that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to. Um, there. I, I, there you go. She's there. She's there. And it's fun. Like that, 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 and you know, that so, you know, how, what did we have? Do we have very much, uh, you know, very many moments? Sort of. Like. Um, well, but sort of not. We have the actors playing characters that are playing the first characters, right? We have the actors playing aliens playing the prime version of the characters. But they're they're doing it with the benefit of having this technology, you know, their little their little head head scanny dues. So, you know, it's not it's not like uh it's not like uh um Richard Dean Anderson has to suddenly play a version of himself that is somebody else. Although I did like um how Michael Shanks emulates Amanda Tapping's uh, Sam Carter when he first walks into the room yes. and has the standoff with yes. uh, with O'Neill. Yeah, that, yeah, like that was he does a really good job of emulating her on that one. That was that that was that was a fun moment. I like that. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, and and when they were in the uh, the airplane and she had the the disc and she put it on her hand and she turned into Daniel and yes. she took it off. Uh, yeah, the way the uh, you know. Obviously, Daniel stands taller than Carter. You know, Shanks stands taller than Tapping. Uh, so there was a change in there, but but the their body posture and such um, matched. I thought pretty well. Yeah, uh, I like that little it, attention it was, to detail. It was pretty obvious that they were having fun with um, with the special effects. Yeah, right. Like they did not have to have quite so many on screen transformations as they did. Uh, but somebody got a hold of like you know the 1999 version of video toaster and was just having fun with the transformation effect because <laughs> they, they had that one in there. What? Like at least half a dozen times. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you could have cut off screen and had a little sound effect and then come back and there's the other actor, but like, you know, like no, th- th- it was, it was, we're not doing that here. Nah, we're, we're, we're spending the big bucks now. So, so Brent, I do want to spend just a little bit of time thinking about these, um, little discs that you put onto your skin and you make yeah. yourself look like somebody else. Yeah. Um, these are pretty impressive devices because when you think about it, uh, think about it, like the aliens are all quite a bit larger than any of our human characters. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> and for uh-huh. instance, when Mayborn is choking Daniel, he's got his, you know, arm around Daniel's neck and, you know, Daniel has a human sized neck and he's getting choked and all of this stuff. But yep. if you were to translate that into, you know, uh, whatever else is going on, this isn't a simple disguise spell from D&D. No, it is right? not. It's not just right? simply changing your appearance. There is something 
something else going on here. Um, and yet there's whatever, because if, if the, the sound is going to disrupt that, if there's some sort of frequency that's going to disrupt that, and you're going to be able to go and, and go yeah. from one to the other, it would, it would imply that there's some sort of uh, cloaking field that changes your appearance. Yes. And yet what yes. we get in other elements is that it's something that is more physiological transformative. Yeah. And yeah. I have always looked at this and watched this and I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand the, how it works. The only, the only thing in the entire episode that, make, that made me sort of like, you know, furrow my eyebrows was um, the speed and, uh, I don't know, effectiveness. The speed that Sam Carter determines that it's the sound of the jet engines that caused the disruption as opposed to I don't know, being higher in the atmosphere and being subjected to more ions or or something or like uh, a particular radio frequency that just happened to go blipping through. You know what I mean? Like there was a, there was right. a whole host of other reasons why that might be not just like audio waves. It was convenient. It was it was a nice little uh, it was a nice little hook, a little a little, um, you know, a little easy way for the entire um, SGC to be, uh, uh, you know, to, to reveal the aliens and the, uh, I can't remember the, the Ritu. Yeah. You know, like with the Ritu, we had to have the special device and, uh, you know, though with that special device, we could illuminate an entire field worth of Ritu in the SGC. Things are a little bit more confined. And so that, you know, the, right. it's much more difficult, but in this little, uh, in this little plot moment, uh, all you have to do is just put it up to the speakers and bang, you can just see all, all the aliens. So, you know, that's convenient. And so as a result, that's the only part of the story where I was like, really? Really? But I, you know, I'm 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 letting it go for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is because I can't be angry all the time. Um, it's just not good for your health. <laughs> and uh I I felt like I poured it on enough uh with the devil you know, justifiably so, but um, you know, like I can't I can't hold every single episode to the to the to the uh, immaculate standard of uh, of some of the previous episodes, but you know, so that was the only part that was like, yeah, I'm not so yeah. sure about that, but whatever. Uh, we'll, another we'll, we'll another keep rolling. spot that that if I was going to nitpicky, that I would like, well, okay, that was really fast. Um, you know, we as an audience member saw the little circle disc around one of the other guys who was unconscious, and so we're like, as audience members, oh, okay. That disc is important for this right. transformation process. Uh, Carter and Mayborn had does not, did not have that experience, and they're looking at the dead alien that used to be O'Neill. And they're yeah, sure, we see as the audience this disc that's sitting there on its chest, but it, it basically looks like it's kind of part of the armor of the alien. Yes, yes. and I'm like, uh, you know, me as an audience member, like. There, there, that's it, pick that up, that's what you <laughs> yeah. want. And she's just yes. like, boom, hey, what's this? And I'm yes. like, really? That was quick, yeah, exactly. A- and then she finds that thing on the side of their head, and yes. and then she's like, oh, well, this must be what they use to communicate so they know who what they're thinking. And I'm like, "Yeah, really? I mean... Or it could, it could be their eyeball that you just pulled off, <laughs> Yeah, <you> monster. Wow, <laughs> well, you got dark. So here's another question I have for you. Yes. <laughs> how much of that alien that we saw was the actual alien, and how much of it was armor? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I think if okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call the shot. 
just going to, after having watched it once, I'm just going to call this shot. I bet that that alien that we were looking at, I bet we were looking at like its exoskeleton. It seemed pretty squishy and uh, pretty moist uh, when, <laughs> when, he, <laughs> when you took a look at the gaps of its armor. And, um, and there's nothing saying that all of our alien species have to be like wearing body armor. Uh, they could just be armored, right? They could, um, they could be armadillos, um, sure. you know? Uh, and so, uh, even though there's nothing to make me say that this was, you know, clearly part of their biological structure, I'm just going to declare it that I, that for my reading on it, um, you know, basically they just weren't wearing any clothes. Now it didn't matter. They're aliens and, uh, they don't care, but, uh, so I'm pulling up a picture of them online. Because sure. that's what I do. And as I look at it, I think that, you know, this is a question that I have had for a long time. It's like, how much of them is, is them and how much is there some sort of clothing and whatnot? I sure. think that they have some sort of armor on in terms of some sort of breastplate. And it looks like this guy has got some sort of collar that's on there um, and some shoulder uh, plates that are there that look like armor. And yet, then when I look at his neck and his head, that's where I would look at and say some form of exoskeleton. Mm -hmm. So it strikes me, uh, I hadn't actually thought the idea exoskeleton for sure, because I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about this prior to this. Um, <laughs> uh, because why would you? <laughs> yeah. you know. But now that I am, uh, here's yes. what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I would say that there is some sort of, uh, balance there between some sort of exoskeleton uh, sure. and some armor on top of that. Uh, but apparently it's not very gr good armor because, you know, a oh, man. standard handgun can go right can through it. Yeah, go exactly. right through it into him. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, there's a lot of things it's, that we wear today that look cool that really wouldn't protect nothing. So. It, it is peculiar to me how many aliens are felled by a kinetic energy weapon like it's just it's just odd enough like it it seems like when you when you engage in incredibly futuristic technologies you would have you know you you, you would have solved for uh the problem of getting nailed by something coming at you at a high velocity not just bullets just like anything right like well, you, you would you know, there, there's only so much that you can do to actually stop kinetic force well yeah um but if you're willing to do something to stop um an energy weapon which by the math probably has just as much energy as a kinetic as a kinetic weapon it's just it's just it's convenient. Is that's well, really what I'm kind of okay. driving at? It's All like right. it's convenient. Gonna, I'll, I'll look at the the Jaffa, for instance, right? The Jaffa wear that fun armor all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that armor strikes me as being more protective of the projectile weapon bullets than it is of the staff weapons. That's true. Right? Uh, you get hit in the square chest with one of those with a staff blast, and you're yeah. wearing that. Uh, that ain't gonna stop you at nothing. Uh, no. Or you get hit with a Zat gun, uh, you're going to go electrocuted oh. down. Um, <laughs> Stick a pin in the Zat gun. Uh, you know, one of our extras stood there waiting to get zapped at one point. But anyway, carry on. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know. That was really all Armor. it is. Um, later on, um, mm -hmm. there will be some conversation uh, about 
this topic. So put a pin in that one for just a little bit, and we can come sure. back to it uh, in a, in some amount of episodes. Some 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 number of episodes from now, we're going to end up. It's going to come back, and we're going to be like, ah, oh, okay, all right, yeah. okay. That's um, there's the why. Uh, you well, know, good. I did not talk about this in the guest actors, and I should have, but there are two more names that I really should have tossed out there. One mm-hmm. is Alex Zahara, and the other is Dion Johnstone. Uh, I noticed rec- uh, Dion's name in the title cards, yeah. Yes, of course, he played uh, Naonek in the previous episode. Um, he was one of the guys running around in the alien suits Yep. for that. And the other one was Alex Zahara, uh, who played Zales in the episode Spirits. Um, oh, he also, oh, He yeah. also played... Um, uh, I don't remember the, the hippies. I don't remember his name. Yeah. In nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, I don't remember either, the but the driver, right? One. The driver. Yeah. Uh, yep. So that actor was, you know, you didn't see his face because he had, you know, the alien stuff all over him. But he mm-hmm. and Dion were were two of those main ones for the that. So cool. There you go. Yeah. Um, so you wanted me to put a pin in the whole Zat gun because you had something to mention about nah, that. No, I mean, nothing big. It was there was a moment where uh, two guards were coming into the room or something i don't know what oh it was when um it was when o'neill was gonna spring teal and he <laughs> i'm here for the bald prisoner <laughs> and <laughs> and he's like yeah, he's doing his thing and uh, so the timing uh, at the end when it's now resolved and o'neill is you know zat gunning down the the two hapless guards that are there um not so hapless i guess like they're all they're all aliens at this point i guess um anyway uh Although maybe not all of them. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so he zaps one and then he zaps the other. And the timing of the zaps is like zap, zap. And that second zap, instead of like reacting, instead of seeing somebody pull a weapon and therefore raise up your own weapon and maybe pull the trigger, he just stands there and like just waits. <laughs> then he gets zapped and he falls down. Like it, it was, it, it's fine. It's okay. Right. Because the scene is the two of you are going to get zapped. Like that's, 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 a, that's okay. But, uh, but it was a moment of just like, yep. And now it's my turn to fall down. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> which, you know, it's fine, but it, it pulls you out of the episode a little bit, but right. it, it, well, I, the, I chuckled. Then when, uh, Teok was trying to break out early in the episode, he, you know, knocks out a couple of guys by clapping their heads together. And then yeah. there's another guy running down the hall and he shoots that guy with a Zat gun twice. Yes. And that's a death blow. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed um, that as well. And now later on, uh, everything is like, oh, you know what? Uh, uh, you just kind of roughed up a couple of guys. Everybody's fine. And I don't know if that guy he shot was an alien or whether it was a human right you know, operating, but whatever it was, he got hit with yeah. a Zat gun twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is <laughs> he's, not, he's not addressed back. later on ever. We must, uh, we must, uh, have to assume that it was an alien then. There you go. You know, there you go. We're not willing to talk about collateral damage. Not, not today. No. Well, this is a relatively self-contained episode, so we got to keep yes. everything self-contained. Yes. There you go. So the, you know, coat of paint will be fine. Coat of paint. Touch up a little bit there. It'll be yep. good as yep. new. Yep, you know, just a little bit of snark, and, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> nice. So, uh, Brent. Yeah. I think that it is probably the right time in this episode when we stop uh, meandering through our reminiscences of this episode and mm-hmm. give this episode ratings. Yeah. Give this episode chevrons. Yep. 
the and real so, reason why we're here. That, yeah. That's true. That's right. Everybody really just wants to hear our chevrons. We could just they skip just skip all right. the other ones. And yep, just say, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. That's Brent. Skip, I'm skip, Zach, skip, skip, skip. And uh, this is Foothold, <laughs> and we give it this many chevrons. Thanks. Have a good day. So, Brent. Yes. Foothold. Yeah. How many chevrons does it get? Um, it's fun. I can't think of anything bad about it. I mean, not really. Not anything I'm willing to really get gripey about it. Um, was I blown away by anything? No, not really. It's it's kind of the curse of when things start getting good. Is that like this episode was pretty good? You know, it's pretty fun. They definitely had some great visuals, some like, good acting. The writing was all right. Like good story. It was crisp. You know, it worked. Worked fine. Right. And even still, like I'm like, do I give it a? Do I give it a? What kind of a, what kind of a middling score do I give it? Which is a terrible thing to say, but it's true. That's where I'm at. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to give it five out of seven chevrons, um, but I think I'm being just a little generous. Uh, it's fine. It's good. Okay. But uh, yeah, five. Five. Yep. Um, my turn, I suppose. Yes, it is. You know, I, I think you're, you're pretty much spot on. It is a fine episode. It's just kind of right there. And, and yep. I have to ask myself also, like you, what kind of middling score do I <laughs> give it? And I have been accused of, uh, what, what was it called? Uh, oh, yeah. Bib. Uh, Brent-induced bias. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to avoid Brent-induced bias. I mean, I can go rogue. I can be like, eh, not worth your time. I give it a one. Like, well, I can do that if you No, if you don't want do me that. To. Don't do oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Give it a five because <laughs> it's a gift. I'm going to, I, I'm going to go less than that. I'm actually going to go 4.5. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, not a lot less. Um, but uh, I don't know. For me, at least in this moment, a five and up is, is a really good episode of varying qualities. And okay. <laughs> I, I'm not certain. No, nope. no, no. My my scale can change next week, so don't hold me. Yes, to this. But yes. But right this is now, true. a five and up is is you know a really solid episode, and this is just shy of that. Yeah. So I'll give it a four point five. Okay. All, All right. right. Now, Brent. Yeah. Uh, we have invited our listeners to give us their predictions of what we will rank things. Yeah. 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 And we have a couple. Arnok mm-hmm. has done this, and uh, okay. I am looking at this now for the first time. I haven't. Oh, for the very first it. time, it's like I think I've made the uh, Oscar envelope joke already, but I'm still gonna make it. Again All right, it's like you know, I predict and the Oscar that goes to Zach. Will give Foothold around four chevrons, although hey! he may rate it lower due to the total and complete absence of this particular alien race in all future episodes. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, guess predict- that, I guess that does that for me. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not wounded by this information. I'll yeah, tell you that. Okay. Much, so, but- so there is some spoiler information. This, ep- yeah, you're right. These aliens are never seen again. Yeah, um, fine. Uh, I predict that Brent will give it a conditional rating: three if the aliens never appear again, and four or five if they do. Oh, I like I like the thoughtfulness. I really do. I really yeah. appreciate the like, you know, and, you know, yeah, that is generally true. I do like it if, uh, you know, if things come back. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, you know, episodic television is fine, but I really like good season long story. So it's true. Right. Turns out um, I just gave it a five just because I was feeling generous. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, 
Arnok then added a spoiler, which I'm going to skip because okay. uh, you can't know this. Uh, nope. He says overall that he liked this episode on its own, but was disappointed that the aliens never reappear. They are kind of cool. And, and I, I get mean, that. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, and also when I think about it from like a set to, or a, like, you know, a costume budget point of view, like, I hope I see parts of their costume back. That was, those things are kind of ornate. Well, whatever. Anyway. So, uh, Brent, you, uh, yes. uh, there's some uh, technology things issues. My AirPods were dying and I was swapping. And so I missed some of that in there. Um, the uh, the jibber jabber that I was making about, sure. uh, uh, I was mentioning that uh, that the not seeing the aliens again is a little bit of a bummer. But I was then saying something a bit more practical, like uh, th- these costumes were pretty ornate. And so it does seem a shame that they had put all that effort into these things, and and lots of them too, um, yeah. only to never have to use them again. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully parts of them get recycled. Um, we also have another prediction, Brent. Oh, good. Uh, David sends sends us his prediction yeah. of these uh-huh. episodes. Ah, well, okay. He says good episode, but the stupid cowardly aliens with no backup plan who run away when. Found out, bring, bring it down. He predict, predicts uh, Zach will give it four chevrons and wow. Brent will give it five. Yeah. Holy moly! And where's a David? I have a bell, but not here. Yeah. You get the slow clap. Good um, job. That, 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 that's really good predicting there. Um, no well kidding. done on that one. Uh, yeah. He nailed uh, Brent's score right up there and, and you know, for similar reasons for what I said, you know, you got that other one. So, well done. Yeah. Good job. Well done. That was fun. Okay. Well, uh, Brent gives it five. I give it four and a half. Uh, let us know what you think of this episode. Uh, and by all means, send us your uh, predictions for what you think we'll rate the next episodes. And we'll see how you come. Uh, we do need to figure out... Uh, uh, so far, I don't think we've ever had anybody nail... Your prediction and my prediction at the same time, perfect. No, not, I don't think so, not yet. So uh, that's the goal, folks. And if you can do that, you get something cool. I don't know we'll what the out. something cool is, um, but you'll get that. Maybe, um, uh, maybe we do that, uh, that, that wait, wait, don't tell me thing where like, we leave, a, we leave a, the, the outgoing message for their voicemail or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would be willing to do that. Totally, but especially because no one who calls them is going to know what they're listening to. <laughs> it's like the ultimate of just like, what is this? There well, you go. Whatever. Yep. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm here to let you know about your car insurance. Uh, give me a call back, I guess. <laughs> yep. There you go. Um, and we can even uh, add uh, uh, special effects to that. Uh, oh, oh, look at you. Look at you making work for me here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm so good at it, Brent. Uh, you do. Uh, you do. You, you got some good ideas, though. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway. So. Um, that, that's definitely on the table for those of you who yeah. uh, uh, hit that prediction uh, perfectly. Like right and uh, if you think of something else that would be even cooler than that, uh, by all means, let us know. Uh, we will uh, take that. So you can uh, do that by contacting us in any of the various means. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself, Brent, because we need to talk about the next episode. Sure. Of SG1. Mm-hmm. The next episode has a title, and yeah. that title is Pretense. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is when I say, tell me about pretense. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> the SG-1 team travel to the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They walk through a fantastic, bountiful field of purple-like grass that springs up, and they see uh, off in the distance a a a a, a, a bunch of a bunch of uh, cave people looking people, uh, folks that are clearly at the early stages of their technological development, and the. Uh, the, the, the folks are a little bit scared of the newcomers, but they somehow welcome them in. And they are uh, they're gathered around their cooking fires and their little and their and their pottery and their their skins. But uh, uh, all of them have what look to be like bedrolls and, and uh, pillows of, of skins and furs just bandied about with no protection to the elements whatsoever. This is particularly galling because the do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> well, let's just rush to the end here. I figured out, but now that I figured it out, I'm like, keep yeah. going, keep going. So, so as the SG-1 team is investigating this pre-civilization, Daniel Jackson is the one who realizes, oh, he says, this is an era before tense. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretense. (laughs) (laughs) Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 Pretense. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so Zach. (laughs) Yes, Brent. Um, how'd I do? Um, you did wonderfully, Brent. Thanks. You deserve Thanks, a Zach. participation nice. ribbon. Oh, boy. <laughs> because everybody hey, man. deserves a participation ribbon. Coming up with puns on the fly is tough work, man. I know. And I actually <laughs> applaud you because I would really, really suffer from this if, if the roles were reversed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of me waking work for you, didn't we say at some point that we should flip this thing around? Or no, we can't because you know what the episodes are about. Yeah, uh, well, we we did we did say we could flip around the chevrons and who give the chevron ratings first. Um, oh yeah, that's true. So we did talk about that. Um. Uh. So well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh. Shall we watch the promo to find out what pretense is really all about? Sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to hit go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the Tolans request the assistance of three groups. Huh. SG-1. Huh. <laughs> okay. Ooh. The Goa'uld. Wait, he's wearing a fruit basket. He is. And the Nox. Hey, the Nox! Fire! To determine the fate. Hey, it's what's his face? Of either Laurel. Yeah, good video effect. Or Scar. Nice. But is this just a pretense for something else? Oh. 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 It's all next time on Stargate SG One. Ooh, what a great space battle! Oh, I'm looking forward to that. There you cool. go. And that is pretense, Brent. Yeah. 
that has it nothing is. to do with protecting yourself from the elements. That that's true. That's because what you were talking about was P R E dash T E N T S. Yeah, pretense. And this is P R E T E N S E. That's not it's how completely you different. <laughs> it's not the same. It's it's not the same. It's not the Fine. same. It's, not it's the same. different. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, if you fun. want to talk to us about pretense, by all means, email us or find us on Facebook at Walking Through the Stargate or find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Talk yes. to us. Talk to us about this episode, Foothold. Tell us where we got it wrong. Tell us where we should have gotten it right. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is actually the same thing. Uh, yes, more but or less. that's right. But that's okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, heads I win, tails you lose. Uh, you know, there you go. Uh, in any case. <laughs> Yeah. Email us. Do all of those fun things. Uh, you know where to find us. Leave uh, leave reviews. Uh, send us predictions. And uh, yeah. And stuff. share this podcast with your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends and neighbors that they should listen to us. Neighbors. Babble. T- 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 neighbors. This is your opportunity to make friends with the neighbor that's a little bit weird. And you'd be like, actually, I don't want to talk to that person. No, no. You're going to say... I've got a podcast that you should listen to, and your neighbor's going to go, why are you talking to me? Well, there you and then go. you just keep going, and then it'll there be fine, go. and then they'll start listening. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, share it on Twitter and on your Facebook fa- pages <laughs> and all of that stuff. Uh, let's get the word out there, and because and, this is, you know, at the very least, I'm having fun, and I'm sharing this with you. So, you know, have fun and share it with your friends, too. Yes, yes. We are getting to the, uh, we are getting to the seasons of givings. The seasons so, of givings. Yeah, and so you should be givings. Givings things. That, that's true. We have, you know, American Thanksgiving followed by uh, American Christmas. Oh, wait, no, that's just yeah. Christmas. <laughs> American Christmas. I'm totally going to start calling it American Christmas <laughs> because there is a very specific version of Christmas, which is totally American Christmas. <laughs> yeah. 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 There you go. Oh, All right. that's fantastic. So uh, oh. with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.